welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays featuring African Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight Deborah Mitchell, the founder of the New Jersey Tap Dance Ensemble. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Kim. I'm so glad to be here and always happy to talk about this company <laughs> and my journey with it. <laughs> and it has been just that, a journey. <laughs> Well, I am excited for our audience to learn more about your organization, but why don't you start off by telling them a little bit about who you are? Okay. My mom had me in dance school at the age of seven. I was in little tap taps, uh, uh, tap classes. I all, I, so I look back at, I keep my, my ghosts on the wall, my picture of myself when I was seven and I was in tap, but she took me out because she said she could see that the the uh, instructor, the woman who owned the studio, constantly had me put me in the back. Well, for me, this was a blow because tap dancing was in my soul. I just loved it. And that's when she explained to me more why she took me out of the class and that I could go back to dance later in life, but I was going to get an education. And, and that was a time, you know, when um, that my parents, they were very, very much advocates of uh, education. Talk a little bit about, um, you said your mother took you out of TAP, mm -hmm. but talk about how you got back into it. Like okay. at what stage did you do that? Okay, believe it or not, I did not get back into it until, until the 70s. Now, that shows you how many years, 20 years later. What happened was I went to, I, went, I got my undergrad degree. Like I said, they were real proponents of education. So I was always a good student and um, I got my bachelor's at Southern Illinois University and my graduate, uh, my master's degree in social work at Indiana University. So there were dance groups and so forth, but I was, I was so interested in getting this degree that, that I knew what they wanted me to have and making sure I got that first. In the back of my mind, always thinking, I'm going to go back to dance. My journey to New York actually occurred at, because I had a, 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 um, a college sweetheart who I had a short marriage with, but he was from New York and his name was, was Mitchell, Ronnie Mitchell. So that's how I actually catapulted myself into New York, but that lasted very shortly. So all of a sudden I was on my own again. Well, okay. I knew in my heart, my first love really was dance and it was tap dance. Eventually I found out that Henry Latang was the great tap master and Broadway choreographer in New York. And I looked him up, found the studio, which was at that time on 57th street. And um, so that's how I got back into my tap shoes. And I found myself not only taking lessons from him you know mm -hmm. but but he would let me see he and his wife ellie would let me stay in the studio they knew how much i loved it you are a protege of leslie bubba Gaines. why don't you tell our audience who he is and how you guys met we were coming up on a 1980 and i was supposed to have a date for new year's eve with this young man that i was seeing but when he got to the studio uh, the, a day before he said, are we still going out? 
And I said, yeah, but I'm gonna, I need to stay here and finish this step. <laughs> so he said, you're never going to finish those steps. He said, you're going to be here forever. He said, but I tell you what, you, instead of going out with me, what you ought to do is go over to the Brooklyn Academy of Music where some old guys are going to be tap dancing. I said, really? I said, what? I said, who are they? He said, well, you just ought to go over there and see them. He said, because these get these cats, that's what they call them. These cats are fabulous. I didn't know where to park. So I said, okay, you know, when you're young, you will take chances and do things that other people do. You know, I'm gonna park my car right here on the street. And it was late. And I thought I cannot be going all the way back home. So the best thing for me to do is to stay here. So I parked my car and I fell asleep in the car until dawn. And when dawn came, I thought, okay, now it's now I've got to get into the building. <laughs> that was my dilemma. The um, garbage collections was happening early. And the guys came with the big truck and they opened the back door of the academy to take out those garbage cans. <laughs> when they opened that door and turned their backs, I slipped in. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so so when you got in, did you finally see them rehearse? Well, this is what happened. I got in. And I went through, it was dark because, of, you know, the, everything was black. It was supposed to be closed. So I got in and it was only maybe like seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Well, they weren't going to be there till maybe 11 or 12 o'clock. So I got found my way to the arc, to the uh, auditorium. And I sat down in about the third row with my tap shoes in my lap. And I fell asleep waiting for this rehearsal to start. And I didn't wake up until I heard these voices. It startled me and I jumped to my feet. When I jumped up, Kim, the tap shoes hit the floor and the guys on stage, the man in the front said, who's out there? Because everything was black. So I said, it's just me. And he said, who is just me? So he sees me because I in the work light. He says, little girl, come up here on the stage. What are you doing here? So I picked up a tap shoes, got up on the stage. And he said, "Why are you, what are you doing here? So I said, well, my friend told me some old guys were going to be here tap dancing. He said, I said, and I wanted to see them. He said, old guys? He said, well, that's what you're looking at, the old guy. He said, old guys, introduce yourselves to the little lady. And that's when I found, that's when I was, I was actually introduced to these legends of the art form. It was the tall, distinguished man who asked me to come up on stage, Honey Coles. Oh, and, then wow. there, and then there was Buster Brown. There was Fayard Nicholas of the Nicholas Brothers. There was New Louis Sims and there was Face Roberts. All these people, of course, have passed, but these were legends. And in the back by the piano was a gentleman who was very small, very, very elegant. And he said his name was Leslie, was Bubba Gaines. So okay. I, okay, so this is yeah. how I actually, so, and, and for some reason, he was the only one who was very quiet. All the others had personalities bigger than life. And I mm -hmm. said, excuse me, sir, but I didn't quite get your name. So he said, my name is Leslie Gaines, but you can call me Bubba. All my yeah. friends call me Bubba. And so why you, in, yeah, so you ended up being his protege from what I yes. understand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because from that day, he asked me, he said, why are you here? Why aren't you in a dance school or someplace with your little tap shoes, et cetera? So I told him that it, I, I wanted to see, I wanted to see the rudiments. I wanted to see how it was formed. I want, and I didn't hear in, in class what I heard in my heart. 
So he said, what do you mean, what you hear in your heart? I, he said, can you sing it for me? So I was a little intimidated. I thought, well, he said, let me show you. So he moved his feet with such powerful rhythms. I said, that's what I hear. He said, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come to, where do you live? I said, Newark. I was living in Newark. He said, I'll come to Newark and check out your feet. That's amazing. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about performance since you've done that they may have seen or oh, something that you're very proud of? Well, something I'm extremely proud of is, uh, of course, the, the Broadway show Black and Blue, mm-hmm. which which was in Paris, France, which is where it was it began. And that was in, in 85, 86. And then I was in the Broadway production of Black and Blue. And in both of those productions, I was in it with with what was uh, the Rhythm Queens. The Rhythm Queens was, a, was an act that Henry Latang put together for the Cotton Club, which you didn't actually see in the Cotton Club, but you did see us in the Paris production of, of Black and Blue. And that was with uh, Rashmela Kumball, Jermaine Goodson, and myself. When we got, when we finished with Black, uh, in Black and Black and Blue, the three of us were seen in Paris in it. It did not, it was not part of the show in New York, but after New York, my partner Jermaine, who to this day, we have been together for 37 years. She and I toured with Cab Calloway and we went all over the world with international tours with him. The Rhythm Queens became really, really a signature act for us. And once again, a parallel like Bubba with his act. But but we, Jermaine and I performed all over Europe. When the show closed in New York, because Black and Blue was on Broadway from, eight, from uh, 89 to 91, when we left Black and Blue, the two of the uh, Cab Calloway had seen us in in other productions like the Cotton Club on Parade in Vegas and all of that. So he took the two of us with him, and we we also performed at his funeral with Gregory Hines and all these wonderful people. So, wow, so that's amazing. Let's talk about uh, the New Jersey Tap Dance Ensemble. You're the yes. founder. How did yes. that get started? Well, believe it or not, <clears throat> with, um, it's, I often say it's part of a, of a promise I made to Bubba as well as what I wanted. I realized very quickly that uh, um, in New Jersey, there were very few there were no dance tap dance companies. I mean, there were there were uh, tap teams and things in, in schools. But when Bubba was in the studio with me one afternoon, and I have to preface that, he said uh, one afternoon I told him I couldn't continue working with him because I couldn't pay him. And I was often thinking back, you know, that this is all part of that whole syndrome where these men didn't get paid, people took advantage of and so forth. So I told him one afternoon, I said, we have to stop doing this because I can't pay you. And he was insulted. He said, I don't want your money. He said, but one day somebody's going to want from you what you wanted when you talked to me. When you give that person all that I've taught you, you will have paid me in full. So when I, after Jermaine and I toured with Cab and did all those, all of that traveling, I said to Jermaine one day, I said, you know, I'm going to start a company in New Jersey. Uh, I said, because I, I, I want to give all of this back. Where is it going to go? It has to be, that was my, that was my, uh, my impetus for wanting to start a tap dance company. And so, and I also knew that anytime you wanted to learn how to tap, Kim, you had to leave Jersey. If you wanted to learn what I learned, you had to leave New Jersey and go to New York. And I said, and people offered me jobs in New York. I said, I don't want to teach in New York. I'm going to go back where I'm living. So that's when I thought, you know what, 
there has to be there has to be kids like me all over New Jersey because my mom always told me there's talent on every street corner. I said they must be there, so that's where I'm going to go. So by then, and I was very fortunate. By then, I had I had because of my, of my jobs, and I had, had met, my, met my husband Ken McDonald, okay, who who I married in 80, 87. So I said to him, I said, yeah, I'm going to start this tap company. So I got flyers together. I didn't know what I was doing. I got flyers together and I decided to send it out to dance schools and put it and give it to my friends and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to audition for a company. Now, what I wanted was a company of adults, because I realized that when you leave Dance, first of all, is a short-lived profession for many people, unless, you know, except for tap dancers. But I was thinking that when you, there weren't a lot of jobs for tap. Tap was not, except for, you would see, when Black and Blue came along, we were coming at what I call during the renaissance of tap, because you had had Gregory Hines with Sophisticated Ladies. You'd had a few things before that, because tap was not, was not, viewed and that's part of what i tell you about the challenge for it it was not featured on broadway uh, you had it in 42nd street but you but what i'm talking about with its with its jazz roots and the rhythms and all of the percussiveness that it has none of that was being that that's what i was taught by bubba so that's what i wanted to pass on to the next generation. I thought, well, they don't know the background of tap. Not really. They don't know about it having its percussive and its its roots it back in and the and the uh the African American influence on tap and how the drum is important. None of that was being taught, but I mm-hmm. I got that information from Bubba. So mm-hmm. there So in your in your classes, not only do you take to teach dance, you also teach History. The background and the roots and the history of it. Yes, yeah, one of the most amazing. right. One of the most important things about uh, New Jersey Tap, which I founded in '94, and every student learned that was that it has its roots where it where it comes from. The people who came before, who actually some who danced on plantations, that some did in bare feet, that all the history behind who the great acts were and how it was how it was passed on, uh, like Sammy Davis Jr. I'll never forget, he said one time, it's a handmade-down kind of art form. You know, I do a step and you do step. Oh, show me that. And, and we used to do a thing, uh, show me your step. Tell our audience what type of classes you offer, as well as the skill level that is required. Okay, we offer a basic, a basic class, which is for somebody who's never tapped before. Okay, we have a beginner class, which is someone who's had gone through little basics and learned the foundations of shuffles and, and flaps, that kind of thing. Then we have advanced beginner, who are those dancers or who are, are individuals who now have who understand the basic stuff that's in tap and, and terminology, and they're ready to go a little further and they understand timing and rhythm, that kind of thing. And then by then the intermediate are those who have mastered a lot of the, of the, of the terminology the, the, um, and the understanding and are ready for choreography and, uh, to, and, to, and to do a little bit of improvisation on their own, which is their own thing. And then of course you have the advanced work, advanced class, which is basically for people who are ready for more 
more improvisation where they where the dancer is the major instrument and they um have a command of um, I, would, I say a command of the technique that they have to learn and they're ready to kind of step out on their own a bit and in our outreach program that we have twice a month right now we have an open class, which is basically for, for dancers of different levels who can come in. So we kind of put them all together in an open class to just enjoy themselves. And, and then we have an adult beginner class, which are adults who basically um, feel like they don't want to be in a class with children. And so we only open that up to adults. And it is a beginner class. You don't have to have experience. You can come on in. And then we have, of course, the... Um, advanced beginner class, which is, like I said before, people who are pretty good at what they're doing, and they're ready to have a little bit more of a challenge. And then we have fast intermediate. Fast intermediate kind of covers the advanced person, as well as the one who is intermediate, who is, who is, who is becoming more of an advanced student. I'm starting at some point a, a class called TOCA, uh, Tappers of a Certain Age, T-O-C-A which is anybody who is basically 65 and older who may want, who may have tapped before, but want to get back into the groove and, and don't want to do, we don't have, we're not, uh, don't want competition, don't want to have to remember something from week to week, just come in and enjoy. And also it's good for, you know, uh, and you get that age in life, you need things that will make you for your memory, for your aerobics, for just socialization. So TOCA is a class that I know uh, because I even teach a class here in my community and most of the dancers are 80 plus. So, yeah, so it's it's important. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. we we definitely need to know about that. So tell our audience about the Jenny Fund. What's that all about? Yes. The Jenny Fund is a fund that was uh, designed in memory of Jennifer Introvertarlo Aspercolis. Jenny was 11 years old when she joined New Jersey Tap Ensemble as a child. She was an outstanding artist, continued to grow and became a first company dancer, first company meaning a professional. And even after she left to go to school and went to the West Coast, got married, had her child, when she came back to Jersey, she came right to me and said, Miss Mitchell, you know I'm back. I want to get back into the company. I said, the company is home for you. You don't have to worry about coming back. She was back with us and within about six months revealed to me that she was suffering from breast cancer. So I said, you know, she said, but that has nothing to do with me dancing. I said, well, you dance as long as you want. Unfortunately, she lost her battle with breast cancer uh, and, uh, at the age of 35. So what happened is that she also, she loved the uh, young artist because she came from the company as a young dancer. She went to the, to Brick to Evolution uh, Performing Arts Center and taught lots of young dancers. Her heart was always with young people. So she would send people to me all the time, wherever she was, she'd tell young people, go to New Jersey Tap Ensemble. They will get you ready as a tap artist. So when Jennifer died, uh, I thought it would be a fitting thing, a memorial for her to help support young artists training in our company, which is what our arts education youth company is, NJTAP2. That's for dancers who are 12 to 17, to support their efforts, to have scholarships for them, to help us keep that program going. We, I instituted the Jenny Fund. Her parents were so pleased with it, and it allowed me to name it after Jennifer because she was 
young people was her heart and soul. So when uh, I wanted to make sure to keep her light burning at all times, and we do that through the Jenny Fund, which you can make a donation in memory of a dancer or in memory of a child or someone you love, or you can make a donation uh, for the scholarship fund for them, or your company can do a matching, matching gift. So there's three ways you can donate to the Jenny Fund, but it's specifically for the young people the next generation of tap dancers and to end that's and beautiful and that is so beautiful yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah thank you for doing that because i'm sure that will afford some young person an opportunity who may not even have thought of doing tap yes to do tap yeah yes. that's beautiful yes. mm -hmm. so you do have some sponsors tell us about the sponsors you had in the past and what is the process if a new sponsor wanted to come on board yes yes um we have we've had a hard time actually getting we we were funded primarily through foundations okay uh, our great our foundations primarily the state the New Jersey State Council on the Arts the Geraldine R Dodge Foundation uh, Robert Mills Hyde Watson the Jaquel Foundation all of those have been the backbone of keeping us on our feet today we do have sponsors including the uh, Lester and Braverman Law Firm. We have um, uh, Short Hills Counseling and Sorkin Engineering. Those are sponsors who, who literally, you know, um, feel that they they appreciate the art form and want to see us see it flourish. So they're able to to uh, help with funding and maybe uh, you know help with getting the, the organization on board with other sponsors to so sponsor a dancer. Uh, it takes a lot to keep this organization on its feet, which is one of the, the big problems we have. But we have had the, thank God, we've had the support primarily from our foundations and our donors. Anyone can be a donor to New Jersey Tap Ensemble. You know, uh, you can uh, donate, uh, to, like I said, for to, to help a dancer in, in the company uh, or to help us with rent. We're, we are not an organization that has its own building we rent space so you can do that it's um you know it's one of the reasons we make sure that everywhere we go when we are in performance we let people know you know that you can sponsor or become or help with the with the funding of the organization at any time you don't have to go you know and it's not a lot of red tape to do that you know you just let us know our board of directors is always open to you know finding new sponsors Tell our audience about some of the challenges that you've had in running the New Jersey Tap Dance Ensemble. One of the biggest challenges has always been that people have often seen tap as a childlike kind of art form. It is because we promote it and know it's important that people understand that it isn't, that children can do it. But we, for instance, we don't even accept anyone younger than eight because the art form itself, the percussive nature of it, you need to understand it a little bit more. So finding donors, finding, um, getting money for the company, the image, we uh, even being presented, many times I had to fight very hard to get the, to get us performances in with various presenters because they did not see it as maybe able to hold its own, like say a ballet company or a modern company. So we've had to fight the image uh, situation uh, for many, many years, but we have had great performances, you know, in NJ Pack, 
at SOPAC, at, uh, in Long Island, in New York, at the Lincoln Center. We've been out there because we're 27 years old now. I've pushed very hard to get us out there. But that has been one of our greatest challenges is funding. And if it wasn't for those funders, you know, like I said, like Jake and Dodge and the Arts Council and, you know, um, Hyde and Watson, Robert Mills, we wouldn't have been able to do it. So, wow. you know, it's so it's, have you identified any specific challenges related to the pandemic? Yes. Well, the one of the first ones is people go to Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. But the major problem with Zoom for tap dancers is because you have audio problems. You're not only listening to music, you're listening to your feet. And the, and the delay, there's like a second delay in there that has, you have to have very good broadband or internet uh, service to really appreciate tap because it's so hard. It's, it's, it's extremely challenging. But I tell you what else, what has done the pandemic, even though we were not able to be together, we have been able to reach an audience that's way beyond New Jersey. We have been in Hawaii. You know, we've been in London. We've been everywhere because one thing you can do with Zoom is you can, you, the, it's a long, it's a far reaching technology that you can see, you know, and we've been willing to, to go deal with the audio as long as we can get. But what I'm saying about that is it has all it has not only given us a broader audience, it has also helped us get to audiences that we normally could not, you know, so um, and, and also we have been able to bring in uh, artists who we couldn't maybe pay to fly in. You know, we've had special programs we fly people in. We don't have to worry about housing and flights because we can just go on. So that has been a good part of, of what's happened with the pandemic. The other part, like I said, of the challenges, we also have a, a group of people that young kids who don't have good internet connections. And we know that they are maybe a household with one computer. So you, you, know, you can't expect, you know, if mom or dad or somebody has got to work, they can't, you, you can't be on there doing tap lessons, you know? So that doesn't take a priority. So we've missed out on a, a number of young people who we know just haven't had the opportunity, you know, to get to us. We're running out of time, but I did want you to tell the audience about some of the awards you received in the past. Number one, very early, was the um, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award from, from New York Tap Extravaganza. It's called the Flowbert Award. Also the Hoofer Award from the American Tap Dance Foundation and the Living Legend Award from Flint, Michigan with, from Tapology. Uh, and just recently, my oral history was recorded, 10 interviews, uh, which will be at, at, uh, housed in the Jerome Robbins Dance Division at the New York Public Library of Performing Arts. Well, everyone, that's our time for today. Remember, you can find out more information about the New Jersey Tap Dance Ensemble by going to www.njtap.org. Thank you, Deborah, for joining us. Audience, thank you for tuning in. And until next week, consider yourself Blacklit.